The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Go Cowboys! This, this is Mick Shots, streaming live on DallasCowboys.com and the official Dallas Cowboys app. Now, here are Bill Jones, Everson Walls, and Mickey Spagnola. And as usual here on Mick Shots, we keep you... On your toes, changing things up now and then. And Get me certainly, on my toes today. You better be ready, mm-hmm. right? I see. you got to take my spot now. I, I, can you I, do that? No, I cannot. Big shoes to no, fill, no. right? They're big shoes over the other field, too. So here we are. As you can tell, Bill Jones is not with us. He's on assignment in San Francisco with the Western Conference Finals, the Mavs, and Golden State. Uh, so I am filling in I'm for jealous, him. Man. I'm jealous. Everson Walls Jeez. is filling in for me, although in his same seat. And right. we are glad to have Cowboys College Scouting Coordinator Chris Hall to join us. Thank Christopher. You. Excited to be here, fellas. Appreciate and you having me, sir. I'm doing great. Hopefully, uh, I know Chris has done some of the other show podcasts and uh, for the, those of you on mixed shots, uh, you need to understand that uh, Chris is beginning to start his 33rd season with the Cowboys. Wow. What is your gray hair, dude? Yeah, it's in there. That's it's why I keep there. it so long, so you can't really tell. He started at 15. Goes, what are you talking about? It, it jumps out more. So. Hey, so I just want to say this. Don't come on here like Patrick Beverly, okay? Have you heard, about, have you heard what he's been doing? Just messing up everything when it comes to the NBA pundits. They've allowed him to come into the studio. So he's just wreaking havoc and getting uh, uh, revenge on anyone that he played against. So he's <laughs> ram- ranching against Chris Paul. You know, I Chris, saw that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's he's just like get back. You know, it's revenge on everyone. So Chris, we mm. don't need that. Okay, I, I will. Behave, no one I in here has, has. We're not sure you. Chris has anybody to get revenge <laughs> since he spent half his more than half his life here. Yeah, uh, yeah. with the Way Cowboys, more, definitely. So. How did you get started? 1990. Yeah, so I was uh, incredibly fortunate to uh, land a job here in the fall of 1990, right out of college. Um, Some of you may know the name Brett Daniels. He worked in PR forever and ever. And uh, Brett and I were roommates at SMU way back in the day. And uh, Brett had got an internship in the PR department for a year. And uh, he chose to stay and ended up getting hooked on. And he called me one afternoon and said, hey, there's a spot in the scouting department. This guy just got fired over there and you're looking for somebody to work. And at that time, I was using my, you know, uh, big SMU degree in advertising with a minor in physical education to deliver mail around the athletic department over there. And my bank account was uh, quickly dwindling, and I needed a real job. And uh, he hooked me up with an interview with uh, Dick Mansberger and Bob Ackles, who were in charge at the time. And I did enough to impress them to get a second interview, and they hired me the second time back. And I've somehow managed to stay here since September of 1990 and uh, worked in the personnel department, mostly in college scouting the whole time, and uh, had a lot of great mentors over the years that helped me uh, learn and grow in the game and just been fortunate to be a part of this great organization for as long as I have. So been blessed. And, nice. Uh, so you have to understand Chris's uh, – job i guess because i'm sure people that watch the draft they see chris right there on the big table all the time and so scouting coordinator what does that entail? yeah so you know that that role is kind of 
evolved and changed over the years a little bit, but essentially what it means is I'm in charge of our database um, that we build our college draft board with every year. And uh, we belong to a, a scouting service called National Football Scouting, and that's kind of our jump-off point where they give us a list of anywhere from 800 to 900 guys, and we, we build our list and, and formulate our scouting areas with our staff around that. Um, and we set off at that point. And from really, we'll, we'll actually have our first meetings here over Memorial Weekend uh, where we'll get the new list for next year. And we'll carve up the areas amongst all of our scouting staff. And, and we go from there. And we basically, we kind of add guys as it go. And then we start to eliminate guys as we get through the fall and come up with, you know, usually a little under 200 names that we're interested in by the time we get to our draft board. And... Um, and we build that together. So my job is making sure all the scouts uh, get to their get to their schools, get their reports in, help manage that. I cover all the schools in Texas and New Mexico as well, kind of giving us a second look at that. So I get to get out on the road a little bit too. And, uh, you know, we just go through a whole process of, of building that draft board every year. And we get to where we're at in uh, – in April, and that's our Super Bowl at the end of April, where we get to make those make those selections. So, Everson, he was nine years too late to help you out. Get I drafted. was just going to say, <laughs> from 1981 yep. to 1990, did it change? Uh, was did the, did the process change at all? You know, I came out. I, I, I mean, I'm balling, man. I, I wish you were there. Then you might have given me a break. You know, yeah. you might give me a good look. But now, when it comes to you know the, the how you decide. Uh, you know, the, like free agents and things of that nature. We're talking undrafted yep. free agents yeah. here. You know, that kind of thing, of course, is sensitive to me uh, when you start thinking about myself and the guy like Michael Downs, let's sure. say. And you have a, a person like him who came from Rice University. I think he had four career wins yeah. uh, at, at Rice. Uh, intelligent. Everyone knew that about him. Tom Landry certainly shouldn't knew that about him because as soon as he came to camp, even though he was a free agent, now we're talking 1981, yeah. even though he was a free agent, he's the first person that was noticed in the defensive back group. Right away, it's like, this guy's amazing. Where's he from, Rice? No, hell no. He can't be from Rice. Right. So how does someone like that so slip in? That's that's the hardest part of our job is – we can teach anybody how to scout a football player, right? Here's what we're looking for athletically and everything. The hardest part of our job is finding out who the person is and can they learn or how do they learn, right? How long does it take them to learn the playbook or learn whatever part of their position that they're going to have to do for a coach to have enough confidence in them to keep them on the roster and then eventually put them in the game? Mm -hmm. And that's the trickiest part because sometimes we don't have access to the people who can really tell you can this guy really learn football or what, how do I have to teach him? He might not be the sharpest guy, but he gets football and here's how I have to get it to him. Um, do you, do you rank, um, undrafted guys? That are hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. We have different levels of, of free agents right. that we call, we call a priority free agent, a camp free agent, and then the free agents that we hope we're playing against if they make another okay. team. Okay. Um, so and they all have a different value to us, you know. When we and now up, they have different. Right now, there's different uh, oh, categories huge. you can put them in because they have practice field players exactly. and things like that. Exactly. So and that comes into it too. I yeah. mean, when we're sitting there making decisions after we've used the draft picks and it's over, and now we're signing rookie free agents, um, we've got our list of that, and and 
that becomes a real scrum with other teams. And, you know, that starts, you know, in a way before the draft's over. Right. Because as you're going through that, you're starting to talk to agents. Hey, if your guy doesn't get drafted, you know, what uh, – you know, what would would you be interested in coming to the Cowboys? And a good agent has already scouted everybody's roster and knows, well, man, you know what? They've only got four DBs coming back. They drafted one. There's gonna be two guy two other guys that make their team. It's a great opportunity and yeah. it might be if the guy's really doing his work, it's more about opportunity than it is Hey, we're going to give him $5,000, and the Dolphins are going to give him $10,000. Well, the Dolphins got a full house, but the Cowboys have two spots that somebody could make their roster. Back, as an back, back in the guy. day, it was. Uh, you got $10,000. Right? Yeah, right. I'm, I'm, right, I'm, I'm trying to see if, That's what I'm getting to right here. He's at $5,000. I got $1,500. Yeah. Uh, but, but compared to $5,000, 1981. Fifteen hundred, five thousand now. That's pretty much the going rate, right? Well, that's a yeah, I think so. That's an that's an extra zero on that total than Drew Pearson got back in exactly what was it seventy three seventy two one seventy three whatever it was. And what he got a hundred and fifty, <laughs> and they gave it to him. It's like they had cash, right? Oh but, yeah. And as he said, yeah, but Gil gave it to us in ones. <laughs> so it looked like a big <laughs> stack of money, a lot, right? Or you you know, you could have got a horse trailer as you're signing. Right. Bonus, yeah. Right? <laughs> that was a story back there somewhere. So Drew Drew would Drew would tell the story that so he got 150. He said he barely had enough gas to get to the hotel where the cowboy <laughs> scout was to meet him. Yep. And uh, he was going to go back to the dorm. He was married at the time, but he was going to go back to the dorm and celebrate with the guys, yeah. right? So on me. So he said he called his wife and said, hey, I got drafted. And she was like, well, how much did you get uh, up front? And he goes, well, I got $75. <laughs> I said, I want to make sure I had 75 more to treat the guys, right? Yeah. So, yeah, things – so. Everything's changed now. So how did they so. how did they get a hold of you? How did they sign? Uh, they they were calling the. Uh, uh, were you at Grambling at the time? Or I was at, at Grambling. No, I was no. I was I was in school uh, mm-hmm. trying to finish up. Uh, had three three classes that last semester. I was so upset that I didn't even get a look at. They came to see me before the second day of the draft with the free agent contract. Mm-hmm. Before the second day with a free agent contract, and I, I believe I think it was. Uh, uh, Jethro that came down with the money. Jethro Pugh? I think Jethro Pugh. He was working in scouting. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Well, Gil would just hire out anybody. <laughs> you know, hey, you want to take a trip to Grambling? Like, no. Well, here's some money. Then you want to yeah. take a trip to Grambling? Yes, I'll take a trip to Grambling. And that's kind of how it happened. And uh, I, my, my buddy Angelo King said uh, he thinks they came down there with, with 2000 <laughs> but if I if I went for the fifteen hundred, then he'd keep the other five hundred. So you know, man, there was a wild wild west back then, and everybody was so mad about not getting drafted. And that's why I wanted to know what the look was uh, in regards to to ranking undrafted yeah. players. And that and that what you just hit on is one of the harder things because. The player's disappointed he didn't get drafted yeah. because he's been getting buttered up this whole time. His agent's probably been telling him he's going to be a third-round pick, yeah. and he slides all the way down, and you've spent all this money now training. Most of these guys aren't in school at that point. Right. They, they tap out and go to Michael Johnson's place or one right. of these Exos facilities, which are all geared up, and those aren't cheap. I mean, agents will spend 
twenty to thirty thousand dollars, depending on the package that they put together. And that's training. That includes housing. That includes meals. It includes all the work that you do up to the combine. And then some of these guys don't even go to the combine. And then they've got to rely on knocking it out at their pro day and having a great pro day. It's all in that one look at that point as to that can shape whether they get drafted or they become a free agent. And there's so many different variables that go into that. The depth of that position on any given year. Mm-hmm. You may, it might right. be a lean year at safety and only six, seven, eight guys get drafted. And then there's a whole bunch of guys. And one of those guys is going to turn out being a Pro Bowl player. Well, speaking I mean, of, okay, this year's draft. Weak, strong, average? I, you know, depending on what position you talk about, I mean, you know, start at the quarterbacks, which is the money-making thing right now. You know, there were really probably, I think there were only six guys that got drafted this year. And, you know, a couple of them slid down that were at one point or another talked about as being first-round draft picks. Um, and only six guys got taken. Right. And, you know, that tells Does you Does that right make there, it weak because the, the quarterback uh, situation was weak? I think you could look at it that way, definitely. Um, you know, you move over to the running back position, you know, which in the last few years the, the term is it's been devalued because <laughs> right. people aren't paying for running right. backs anymore, you know. Uh, Zeke and Derrick Henry might be the two last guys that got big, big contracts. And now it's, you know, you kind of find a guy that can come in there, you run him, and it's it's a tandem position now mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. Right. Two guys are doing the job. There's not really any 300 carry guys anymore in the league. They're very few. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's so hard on where you invest your dollars now with the salary cap, and especially if you have a quarterback and you're paying 40-plus million dollars, that's 20 25% of the cap now right. in one position. So that's where it's so important that us on the college end – we hit on our draft picks, and we get those value guys for three to five years, depending on where you take them, that, that make a little bit less money that allow you to go out and play the free agent market. Mm-hmm. You know, So that's that's the challenge. We don't, we don't ever want to miss on those first three guys because if you do, now you're having to go try and replace a guy that should be a starter for you. You know, In our minds, we think our first and second round picks – have to be starters right. at some point, and you really, you're really hoping your third and fourth round guys become starters. And again, starters a relative term. Is a nickel a starter? Is right. your third round receiver a starter? Is your backup tight end depending on receiver. how many? Yeah. What your pa- personnel packages are? How do how do you factor those guys into whether they're a starter or not? So, it's really interesting how you got to manage that cap and and how so important what we do on the college end of getting those draft picks right has become paramount in in helping your cap situation talking about the cap and you have money how do i put this priority money per position right which position do you value the most when you're looking at those probably those first three rounds it's like you you value certain positions more than others yeah you do and and within that you're still looking at you know you don't want to get hung on up on team, a position, right? but you want to help your team out. So yeah, that, that's the yeah. other that's the other chicken yeah, and the egg argument. Right. Are you drafting for need or are you drafting the best player? Right. And at the end of the day, you're trying to do both. You're trying to draft the best player that fits the need of your team that you have. And there's a little bit of a sliding scale there. At some point, you know, you look up and you're like, holy cow, how is that guy still there? We really don't need that position, but that guy's an A player. Right. You always want to add A players to your you, – I always say you want to add an A player to your roster whenever you can versus a B player at a position that you need. 
So you got first and second rounds that you prioritize. So now you got, free, once again, undrafted free agents. And I've got uh, a call from my – I'm sure you get calls too. People want to look at you. You know, take a look at this kid or whatever. Mm -hmm. When I was coming out uh, as a free agent, I, I did well. All of a sudden, everybody's calling me to see if they can get a tryout for the Cowboys right. through me because I made it as <laughs> oh, a free yeah. agent. Like, if Cubby can do it, anybody can do it. And so that was weird. But uh, I get a call from about Marquise Bell. Is that yeah. Marquise Bell? Yeah, We've I was just going to bring it up. Go ahead. Yep. And uh, so a guy like that, what's his story and, and how did he get here? Well, tell your yeah. connection first before you. My, my connection is my college uh, teammate, Mike Haynes. Yep. Other Mike Haynes, not the Mike Haynes. Uh, he has uh, his, his, his older brother uh, married to a young lady named Wanda. And Wanda's uh, nephew is Marquise. Mm -hmm. So now they give me a call telling me to look out for him. And I, from what I can see, he's already being looked out for. He seems to be ranked pretty well. He seems to look good in his uniform. Yep. So as an undrafted free agent, what's his story and, and how did he get here? Yeah, so Marquise's story is a really, really intriguing one. You know, he started off at Maryland and ran into some issues there that, that got resolved. But the long story short, he ended up at Florida A&M and he did really well there. And Marquise is a guy who has been as big as 230 and as little as 195 throughout wow. his college career. So he's, you know, one minute you might think he's a linebacker, the next minute he's a safety. And he's he's done well at every stop along the way. Um, he was a guy that uh, we had kind of in the draftable range and he slipped through because we chose to go in a different direction right. with all those fifth and sixth round picks we had. But we had had a great connection with him. And uh, we had him here on campus as one of our 30 visits yeah. and got to know him really well. And I think that probably helped us in recruiting him as a, as a priority free agent, as mm -hmm. we would call it. Um, you know, he's come out here and he's looked great. You know, he's made a great impression. He and, and Wanye Thomas, another kid that we signed, they've both done a great job and caught the coach's eyes. They've got in. They've done the things they've needed to do. And, you know, he's going to have a shot to make our football team at the end of the day if he continues to do the things that, that he showed us right out of the gate. Um, Did you open the picture I sent you of him? I saw that. Yeah, he looks – it, it was a workout he's picture, stud. right? And he's I stud. looked at it and I go – that looks like a linebacker to me. <laughs> right. And he runs like one. And, and see, that's like another thing where wide we talk receiver. about right. positioning. And one of the things that, that has become, there's, especially with what DQ's brought in on our defense, we've got a lot of roles. So, like what you saw with, with J.K. last year, Curse, you know, he's our big nickel. He matches up Love with tight guy. ends. Love that And guy. played incredibly. So now that's a role Well, something were to happen – to JK, we need somebody that can do those similar things. You know, Marquise and Wanya are that type of guy that may fit into that role. You know, their way in, obviously, is through special teams to start with. So, you know, they should already be best friends with John Fossil <laughs> and getting all that stuff put together so they can play on all four units and find their way to that 53-man and then ultimately game day roster. Which, by the way, so you, you mentioned Fossil and – uh, somebody asked him, so during the mini camp last, last week on the weekend, somebody asked him, have you, have you talked to Fossil yet uh, about special teams? Because he said, yeah, he goes in, in high school, he was a quarterback, he was a wide receiver, he was a defensive back, he said he returned kicks, but this was the good one. He was also a kicker. Wow. He kicked. And, it, and he was a straight-on kicker. He said, no, nah, I didn't do that. Oh, side come on, man. He goes, I towed, I towed the tee. And, and someone asked him, well, how, 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 what's your longest kick? And he goes, I made a 45-yarder 
in high school. And so he goes, maybe I well, need that to go. Well, that would be longer. Right. Right? Because the, the goalposts are different, right? Well, they're – no, they're the same, but they're wider. Okay, I thought yeah. maybe that was yeah. – yeah. Anyway, he, he said, that old to he said maybe line. I need to go talk to, to <laughs> <laughs> Coach Fossil. Somebody's <laughs> got to fill that Jeff Heath role, right? <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Somebody's got to be – but, yeah, when I started looking at his stuff, how, how versatile he was – uh, the fact that you know he he left high school early to enroll in Maryland ran into uh, a problem and then ended up at Coffeyville Junior College and then after two years ended up at FAMU. Guess who else went to Coffeyville? Ron Springs. Did he really? Yeah, yeah. He was one of the better running backs Coffeyville has ever seen. Tell 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 Chris uh, Ron Springs uh, what he called people that went to Rice. The acronym? What was uh, it? Minute Rice. Minute Rice. <laughs> because? They can only play well for one minute. <laughs> does, does Will know about that? <laughs> yeah. hey, well, he didn't stop there, okay? He called all the uh, HBCUs the Negro League. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, 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 and again, if, if my information was right, uh, this will tell you how – much they valued Marquise Bell. His signing bonus was fifteen thousand, supposedly. Wow. So that's kind of the upper level yeah, of what we, you hand. We definitely out. have. As we go into that, we prioritize, and you only now the that's tricky, what you were talking the, about. The earlier, tricky, yeah, the tricky thing is you only have for your rookie for your rookie free agents. You only have. I think the number this year was one hundred and sixty-seven thousand dollars. Up or down from last year? Maybe up just a hair. I mean, like literally, I think it was mm-hmm. one sixty or one sixty five mm-hmm. last year. So, but that's all you have in a signing bonus to allocate to the guy. Now, there's some other ways where you can guarantee P five money for a guy, and what we try and do is equate that to if he makes the practice squad, will it balance out? So you're not on the downside of owing a guy that's not here, and that's where it gets tricky. I mean, not everybody hits. You miss on a few of them too, mm-hmm. or, or guys struggle to pick things up, and they, or they they're not exactly what you thought they were now i think i feel like we've done a phenomenal job over the years of, of pulling in rookie free agents that goes all the way back to the example of you mm-hmm. and drew and all the way back and you know we had tony romo miles austin barry church i mean guys that came in jeff heath was another one uh cole beasley guys that have come in and been productive starters for us and that's a big Big piece of pride that we we it, love because it, it be. it's an extra yeah. it's an extra draft pick and if those guys make your team they're you know they're not hurting your cap the first few years they're in there they're they're bargains quite honestly Cowboys and, free agency has always been legendary it and has. back in your day yes. it wasn't about the cap it was about Texas back pocket right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and also the the great thing back in the day I mean how many guys did you go to training camp with your first day uh, one hundred twenty five yeah. Bef- yeah. and how many days did you go before the veterans even showed up. <laughs> Fourteen days. Yeah, yeah, you had two weeks to get two weeks, into yeah. shape. With you by know. the time they got to see us, we looked totally different from when we left Dallas. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, th- th- when I looked into after you told me that, I, I said, "Well, oh, this kid's he's mm. got something." Uh, and that, then that, obviously, that New Orleans gumbo. What they ended up paying him <laughs> was said, "Okay, they think he 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 does have something." So you got a guy to keep an eye on. I do. But when you see him, he he passes the eyeball test. I guarantee you. Was there anybody else that maybe stuck out that you are okay to talk about? You know, we we feel like 
part of that 30 visit stuff is is great for us because a little bit of that is a recruiting pitch when you get to that point if you think a guy's going to be a late round pick versus a free agent if he's already here and has some familiarity with your coaching staff and your coaches have been able to get him in the room and talk ball with them and give him a little football test and see how he picks up this part of the scheme that you're installing now you know you got a guy that you can teach and grow and and, and learn and work with um a couple of the running backs that we brought in, Malik Davis, he was another kid we had on our on our deal mm-hmm. uh, for a 30 visit and had a good feel for him. And, you know, that position, I don't know where we're going to be for a year from now. You know, you got contract issues coming up with, with Tony and Zeke, both potentially. Rico Dowdo, who was our third last year, is coming off a hip injury. And, you know, that's a spot where a guy might be able to right. make our team. And the more you can do, the other big thing we always say is the more you can do, what's the second thing a guy can do? Uh, is he a core special teams guy? Does he return punts or kicks? Can he play a second position? If you're a receiver and you can play inside and outside, that's a huge value. We want guys that can that can do both so we can move them around so they can play all three spots or know all three spots. I, I tell the kids all the time, I, I coach some kids every once in a while at these uh, private camps, and, and I tell them the more you can do, the more you can do. That's it. The more Completely. you can do, the more you can do. You know, Dan Quinn, to, to kind of pick up with uh, Chris said earlier, uh, he was talking about when he looks at a guy, uh, you know, he looks at him not so much as what he did in college, but what he would do for me in my system. Like they were, I, I think it came up about uh, Tyler Smith. Yeah. And, and, and he was saying, well, you kind of look at, okay, well, this is what they ask him to do there. This might be what we ask him to do here. Same thing with Sam Williams. That's right. who he was talking about. Right, right. Sure. It's like, okay, Ole Miss wanted him to do this, but when he comes here, we're going to ask him to do that. And he goes, and that's why, and, and he just off the cuff said, and that's why when I saw Marquise, he said, huh, maybe he can play linebacker for us. <laughs> right. you know. And, and so that's how uh, they, well, they And then you go, go back and it. you look at his history, and right. he kind of did. And he, right. you know he can be 230 pounds if mm-hmm. that's the direction we want to go with him. So those things you factor into And it's into not just the stuff. physical. It's the mentality that he has. I've been there before. Right. I, know, I know how to play. Yeah. I came from high school. I was a safety. Went to Graham and became a corner. But then all of a sudden I go, go to the pros. 1990, I'm playing safety. You know, I, I, but it's it was always there from from high school. And just, as, as you know, the game looks different from whatever position. Yes, you're playing it does. Too. Very. So different. the difference between we we argue about this all the time. I can play right or left corner or right or left safety. Offensive linemen, especially tackles. Okay, <laughs> right tackle, left tackle. Is it that uh, detail? Is that uh, difficult? I, to play one side versus the other. Why can't a guy, because you see cornerbacks do it all the time. Right. We go from right side to left side. No big deal. You might feel more comfortable one side or the other, but it's, it's not going to be a deal breaker if I have to go play left corner, but I'm a right corner. Yeah. Spags and I talk about this. He thinks that the nuances between the right tackle and the left tackle is huge and makes a huge difference in how you grade a player and how, where you're going to put him when he's on the team. It's probably comes down to who you're playing against, you because know, I, normally I the, ta- the defensive end on that side is the guy. That's, that's the guy most talented. Yeah. You know, it's funny though. I'm not sure that's so much the case anymore. Anymore, because and we've done a little research on that. Go look and see where Miles Garrett lines up most of the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's going against the right tackle. 
And, you know, the whole blindside thing came in because that's, you know, most quarterbacks are right-handed. You want to protect the backside of them, right? LT. And, yeah, well, that's where <laughs> that's it all started. Exactly. No question. <laughs> and, you know, to answer your original question, I think the biggest thing for the linemen is the, the footwork and the hand placement. It's all opposite. Yeah. Out at corner, you're flipping your hips, right? And if, you, if you're a slinky athlete out there, you can probably flip yeah. and open one way or the other. Now, if you've always been a right tackle your whole life and your your feet are moving the same way and you're punching more with one hand, it makes a huge difference to all of a sudden flip over to the other side and now it's backwards and you kind of got to work into feeling that a little bit. Now, really good guys can do that. Yeah. Um, you saw Terrence Steele flip back and forth for us last year out of necessity until we kind of but found where we could do it. But they don't want to do it. No. You want to stay comfortable. You you want to keep your five together as much as you can because it's the buddy system, too. I know what, what Zach's going to do playing here on my left, mm-hmm. and I know what Tyler's going to go here, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. The more familiarity, the more those five guys can play together, generally it's a better feel. They're, they, they're on the same page. Are, are you looking at uh, tackles that can swing? Do, do you, you necessarily you, look at that? Is that a, 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 you'd love to find the go. swing tackle. There you go. That's you what Spags always talking feel about. about it. Yeah. You know, and, and one that can play guard. <laughs> well, sure, of course. You come from guard, then go swing tackle. Like, yeah. and, and here's here's what here's a great point off that. You know, we I think you know media wise maybe we took a little heat because you know we might have. You know, showed our draft board right. up there on the deal, and, and the guy we took was higher than you know than Kenyon Green at yeah. AM and yeah. and Zion from BC. Now mm-hmm. neither one of those guys were available for us, but you know, between Zion, you know, being a guard center, and Tyler being a guard tackle. If you think a guy can be your left tackle for the future, mm-hmm. you're taking him 100 times mm-hmm. over 100 versus the mm-hmm. guy that might be your center for the right. future. Right. And that's the value of the left tackle position, the pass rusher, the shutdown corner, the quarterback. They just have you know, more perceived value. And if you can get a guy at that spot that can play that and you're not hunting that position, you know, that's a home run for you. All right, so I'm not driving the bus very well as normal. Yeah. We probably need to take a break here on Mick Shots, Everson Walls, Mickey Spagnola, Chris Tall, and we will be with you in a moment. Brace yourself for an existential question. Has your butt been having enough fun lately? Have you been treating it well? Has it been going places? If not, then it's about time you start using SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the best way to get your butt tickets to live events. Just ask the thousands of other butts who have rated it the number one ticketing app. So what are you waiting for? Download the app now or visit SeatGeek.com to get tickets to sports, concerts, and live events and make your butt happy. SeatGeek, get your seat in a seat. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. The Cowboys way where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like, where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day, where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. 
where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. At AT AT&T, everyone, new and existing customers, get our best deals on every smartphone. Why? Because you deserve it. For turning your living room into your office and your gym. For teaching grandma how to video call and teaching her again. It's the button on your left, Nana. Okay, your other left. It's not complicated. Everyone deserves something new. So AT&T has given everyone new and existing customers our best deals with every unlimited plan on every smartphone, even the latest ones. AT&T may temporarily slow data speeds if the network is busy. Restrictions and exceptions may apply. Back, back to mixed Shots. Proud partner of the Dallas Cowboys, from corporate homes to your home. Have your roof checked by choice, not by chance. Call now, 214-225-4860. I'm not going to say this. Uh, Kpostcompany.com. <laughs> you can put the www in there if you want to, but I'm not going to do it. So See, I told you I had to fix on. that. Re- <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're back here at Mix Shots on the S- at the SWBC studio. Not mortgage. Not mortgage. Right. Almost. After all those years yeah. saying it, right? And uh, we're happy to be joined by Chris Hall, the Cowboys scouting coordinator, uh, with us here. And Chris worked with a guy that uh, could tell a story, right? <laughs> and he's a story in himself, uh, former Cowboys college scouting director and pro scouting director Larry Lacewell. Passed away yesterday at oh, the age of know. 85. You didn't know that? No, man, uh, that's yeah. crazy. Lace passed away. Wow. Uh, he had suffered a couple uh, strokes um, since 2016. And uh, uh, it, it, I mean, he was here from 1992, I think, through 2004. 2004. Mm-hmm. At 2005, Bill was kind of reconstructing the scouting department, and uh, Larry was let go. And uh, he had a great quote talking <laughs> to the Touchdown Club in Little Rock a little bit after that. <laughs> he said, I left the Cowboys due to illness and fatigue. Bill Parcells was sick and tired of me. <laughs> I thought that just That's sums up funny. that sums up lace, right? And, 100%. Uh, 100%. I mean, I've got so many stories. Did he and Parcells get along? Uh, no, I don't know. What two alpha males? Is that what it is? I, I think Bill probably thought. <laughs> I'll answer this. He may know, but uh, he probably thought that Lace had a pipeline straight to Jerry. Didn't have to go uh, through him. Right? But anyway, uh, 1992 to 2004, and uh, gosh. Chris worked with them almost every one of those years. Yeah, I sure did. And Larry was, you know, became like a second father to me mm. and really mentored me along in learning the game of football and developing everything that, that I did. And not just Larry, all those guys that I worked with when I first came in, you know, I, sadly, there's only two of them left at this point, Ron Marshanek and Walt Jaworski and Jim Garrett. You know, I was so fortunate to be around guys that had just – unbelievable experience in the game on so many different levels but Larry was great I uh 
I, you know, I worked two years with Dick Mansberger and Bob Ackles and those guys, and and Dick was Dick was a hard charging, twenty four seven, probably thirty seven hours a day to work and you know i was a 23 24 year old kid right out of college and you know there were a few other things on my interest plate at the time um and you know i was i was actually gonna leave and go to grad school at university of colorado and uh dick came in the day after the draft my second year here and he he quit you know he just he didn't like jimmy moving the magnets around on the board you know so dick checked out and I decided, well, I'll wait and see who comes in. And, and they hired Larry. And like I said, Larry became my second dad. And his relationship at the time with 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 Jerry and, and with Jimmy and then, of course, with Barry, I mean, they all had this Arkansas connection. And they were all, you know, truly had a love for each other at various different times, you know, growing up. And they intertwined and intermingled over the years from the 60s, the 70s to the 80s. And they had this great history amongst all of them. And, you know, and then they all end up here. Yeah, and just gr- unbelievable great football minds. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, Larry, God, he could tell a story that, you know, <laughs> it was – he loved he loved interjecting himself into it, but he was the first one to step on his own toes in the yeah. middle of it too, you know. And, you know, he just brought so much to the table with everything. And I think uh, he helped so many of those defensive coaches in particular grow mm-hmm. up into – you know, Campo and Zimmer and those guys just learn about the game and help them along the way with everything that mm-hmm. they were doing, too, on top of learning the scouting game and how that all worked and everything. And I think my funniest – one of the funniest stories I could tell about Larry was he'd been here a year or two, and Jimmy was still here at the time. And we belonged to a, a pro scouting service called Getting Scouting. And Giddings would grade all the NFL players. It was kind of a supplement to your pro department. But they had a, a book and a number. You'd get this book all the time. Well, Larry didn't – his first year, he didn't really have any idea that was that, that was even there. And Jimmy would come into Larry's office every now and then and say, hey, what about this guy, Lace? I need you to look at him. You know, he'd, he'd give him a little description of him. And, you know, Larry would go look at him and go, damn, Jimmy, he's got that guy right. Well, for the longest time – Larry had no idea that Jimmy had these getting scouting grades, and he would come in if there was a trade coming around. And he'd be like, how does that son of a bitch know all these guys like that? How does he have time to watch them and scout him? He was using the Giddings book, and it was just, you know, I was like, okay, I got it. So that was kind of a funny learning lesson along the way. And uh, But, man, there are just so many great, you know, being a part of three Super Bowls in the early right. 90s and everything. and. You know, getting all those draft picks we had back then and still taking advantage of building the team through that and everything. And Larry was a huge part of that and learned along the way and was a great confidant for, for Jerry and and Jimmy, too. And and then, of course, Barry, when he was here with all that, too. I mean, he kind of was the, the piece in between everything that kind of kept everybody in touch with what was going on on the other side of the building, Old Valley Ranch back there. Which, as a matter of fact, Lace thought he had patched things up in 94 in that spring. Uh, I remember him telling me, um, he goes, yeah, he goes, you know, I calmed Jimmy down. I calmed Jerry down. He goes, I think we got one more year left. 
and he didn't have one for a year left. But he was he was always the guy in between. And uh, gosh, I could you know he taught me a lot of football just listening to him. Right, right. That was one of Larry's gifts. It didn't matter who you were. He would talk football to a chipmunk. I mean, it was if you were willing to listen, he was going to give you his knowledge of the game, and it was it was vast. And the the experience that he had, you know, from from being the the left guard coach on the JV team for Bear Bryant in 1960 when he first started at Alabama. First job coaching Bear Bryant. Yeah. Wow. Bear and his dad grew up together in Fordyce, Arkansas, and and Bear always took took good care. And that was another great story too. I remember Larry telling he was the head coach at Arkansas State at the time, and they played Alabama, you know, one of those money games. And Larry was all pissed off, and he was talking to Bear before the game, saying, "You, my my damn offensive coordinator wants to do this and that." And Larry would always do voices too, and he said, "You know," Bear said to him, "Well, Larry, let me ask you a question." <laughs> he said, "Are you the head coach?" He said, well, yeah, of course I'm the head coach. Well, then it stops with you. <laughs> and it was a great lesson that, you know, if you are the head coach, you dictate what, what goes on. And I think it's a great lesson and reminder to everybody that, Sometimes you know what, that's where it comes down. perspective. Yeah. 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 There was another story yeah. that came out of that game, too, because they basically – Played the game to make money. Yes, right. They got paid hey, to go to Birmingham and, and I know. get white. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's keep it moving. <laughs> anyway, it, 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 there's a story I read about. It said that yeah, Larry was underneath the goalpost before the game and it was warm ups, and Bear comes up to him and goes. Well, Larry, you scared? And he looked at him. He goes, "Coach, I'm scared to death." <laughs> and they only got beat like 38 to seven, I think. Yeah. Bear probably pulled off, you know, the troops and. Uh, but I, yeah, I just think it's great. You have uh, all the the great stories are not just on the field, right? You know, when you start talking right. about a legacy, I always we always talk about a legacy. How we, the draft in in the with with Fredericks and, and those guys, just how we created that that offensive line. How that's why Zeke got the big contract that you just talked about no because of that draft, and so. Uh, you guys are the reason for that, right? I mean, you're trying to create that uh, from year to year, right? Yeah. Either I mean, you keep uh, either either you keep this particular culture going, the running game in this particular case. Now, you try, when do you start switching over to defense? What kind of we're going to have? Are we going to be uh, 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 like a Ravens guys defense? Or are we going to be uh, a finesse defense? So these are the kind of things that you guys have to figure out when you draft these guys. Those, those are those are some of the hardest things for us to do. And I, I can't give Will McClay enough credit for what he's been able to do You know, since he's taken over in terms of bringing our coaching staff and our scouting staff together through different coaches and everything. But there's some places where coaching and scouting is it's separation of church and state. They don't communicate. They don't. We have such an amazing relationship yeah. from personnel to coaching. You know, they allow us to be a part of things and sit in meetings and understand terminology and and we know what what DQ's looking for on defense and what Kellen's looking for on offense and overall what Mike wants to build a football team with and what they look like. And you know, sometimes that takes 
good football players out of yeah. out of our range right. you know because you know maybe we want we want big receivers so or there's a lot speed, of smaller guys or you got to have speed yeah. or you have to have athleticism to play in everywhere but it's more important in certain spots but us understanding and knowing what our coaching staff wants to play with Man, that's a huge advantage for us knowing that when we see a guy, he's a good player, but he really doesn't fit what we're we're doing. So we don't devalue the guy, yeah. but we know that, look, I know that guy's going to be a good player, but I'm not going to die on the hill of trying to make him a third rounder on right. our draft board because he's really not what we're looking for in our offensive scheme, our defensive scheme, or whatever specific position you're talking I, I, about. I remember uh, my last years with Cleveland, clearly – uh, not just getting older, but slower, uh, you could tell, hey, we're going with speed. And I was gone. Yeah. And that's the decisions that they have to make. Uh, I could have, I probably could have had an even better uh, preseason or whatever. I don't think it would have mattered because mm-hmm. this is where they're trying to go. Right. And that's just it. I don't care how many plays I'm making. They know it's not going to last forever. You know, and, no and so that, hey, see you later. Thank you. It was great having you. And that's when you talk about a, a, a change in the scope of the team. That's what he's talking about. So one of the things that I, I always remember Larry kind of teaching me, just listening to him, and it would be at times where, I don't know, one side of the ball or the other wasn't as good as it needed to be. And he, he would always tell me, he said, now, on defense, I can scheme stuff up to maybe minimize my deficiencies and kind of junk it up and – we can probably survive. He goes, on offense, you can't fake offense. No. <laughs> he goes, you either got it or you don't. No. And you definitely can't fake the quarterback position. Right. And he, he would just – I would hear that over and over, and I just always remember that about him. And I have to thank Chris because I remember Larry the last time he came to here to the star, uh, and Chris reminded me it was 2017 – so 2016, mm-hmm. he had had a stroke. Okay. And he came here, and they brought him out on the golf cart, and he still had Not just the golf cart. The helicopter yeah. brought him here <laughs> right, first. first. Then right. the golf oh, cart. Then the golf okay. cart, right? <laughs> but he went out on the field, and I saw him, and he hadn't regained his speech yet. Right. From, and I'm going, this has got to be the saddest thing I've ever seen. I wrote about it for today in, uh, on DallasCowboys.com mm-hmm. that the guy that loved the talk couldn't talk. Right. He couldn't tell any more stories. And it was like I was so happy to see him, but it was so sad right. that he was in that situation. But mm-hmm. he battled on, um, and um, I think he had yeah. another stroke Yeah, he recently. did. You know, he unfortunately, that first one took away his the vast majority of his ability to communicate. Right. You know, he couldn't type, he couldn't text, so you couldn't even get to him with that. And and Chris, his wife, God bless her, you know, for what mm. she did for him the last five years or so was amazing. And it just, you know, it hurt seeing Larry not be able to do I mean, yeah. you talk about somebody who was stuck in purgatory for the right. last five years. Right. And it's funny, I texted with his son the other day and, you know, after he passed the other night and uh, he said, you know, I said, you know, dad's up in heaven right now, you know, and he's holding court. And Lane, Lane said to me, he goes, I thought the same thing. He said, you know, some poor son of bitch was in the middle of telling the story. And this new guy showed up and he hadn't been able to get a word. Right. And I believe that 100%, you know. So it's the floodgates are back open. Yeah. You know? It was, uh, yeah, it was 
It was pretty mo- – I mean, how he spent from 92 through, you know, even after he left. Yeah. I would check in with him about this guy or that guy or why this didn't, you know, and he was always going to go on and on and on and on. So when he was, when they were leaving, I, I kind of gave him a hug because, you know, I know he could hear me, but right. it was just, uh, it was kind of emotional for yeah, me. Yeah, I bet it was. And uh, so God bless him. And fortunately, I think, uh, you know, he was in the state of Arkansas Sports Hall of Fame, Arkansas yeah. State Hall of Fame. Uh, the Arkansas Monticello, which was yep. A&M, A&M at the when time, played there. Yep. Hall of Fame. And then in 2021, uh, in four wait, guys. Wait, wait, run that back. What did you just say? 2021. No, no. A&M, what? what? Monticello. Ar- Ar- it, it was Arkansas, Arkansas, Arkansas A&M. A&M. Oh, okay. Yeah, ah. But before, it, I mean, it was, and then it turned out into Monticello, okay. Arkansas yeah. Monticello. And, uh, and in 2021, so in Fordyce, they named the high school stadium after Bear Bryant, Bear Bryant Stadium. Well, they named the street leading up to the stadium Larry Lacewell oh, Lane. Oh, man, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So <laughs> kind of kept them to, together. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, we'll miss uh, Larry Lacewell. All right, we have one more segment left here on Mix Shots. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com slash cowboys. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with... And I'm Jay Novacek, and we're both with... United United Ag Ag and and Turf. Turf. The official tractor provider of the Dallas Cowboys. So, if you need a tractor to bale some hay, a mower to cut some grass, or a gator to get some chores done... Get a John Deere at United Ag and Turf. And then, let's get to work. Hey, Jay, that's my line. (laughs) Well, not today. Get to work with a John Deere tractor package that's just right for you and your budget. Visit unitedagandturf.com. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Grisol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. New Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. You deserve it. I do deserve that. You deserve decadent flavor without sugar. And a day at the beach without sand getting everywhere. And a relaxing bath that your children don't interrupt. I deserve all that? It's really just a visual metaphor for Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Everything you want, nothing you don't. A visual metaphor on the radio. I do deserve that. Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. The zero you deserve is finally here. Back back, to mixed shots. Whether you're watching from home or cheering in the stands, with SLR lenses, you'll see every exciting play. Book an appointment at your local Essilor experts and find the perfect Essilor lens for you. See more, do more, Essilor. 
Very oh, good. Man, that was nice. I got my Essilors on right now. Oh, just, is that what they are? Oh, now. look at that. That's what I'm talking about. about that, looks huh? fishy, I man. might have to go get me some Essilors. <laughs> go, go deep in your pocket, though. Oh, well, maybe. It's worth it. It's all worth it. All worth it. Yeah, make I'll sure tell, you put that out there. I'll all tell. All worth it. All worth it. Don't forget he said it. that. I read their read every day, right? <laughs> all right. Got a few minutes left here on mix shots. And one of the uh, things I was going to get to since we were talking about undrafted free agents. The Cowboys brought in an undrafted free agent kicker. Yep, Jonathan Garibay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wonder That's how a whole new way of scouting, right? When you talk about kickers. And yeah. I was going to ask how difficult that is to figure out. Okay, this college kicker maybe. That's a whole new basket. Right? Yeah, you know, I mean, we, we can all pretend like we know kicking. What's your name? Steve Hoffman. You right. Know, way back in the day, yeah, from all the Steve was Steve good. Dude. Steve I mean, was a man. My history with that was, you know, Dan Bailey. I knew yeah. him when he came out and. The, the only thing I say about kickers, I couldn't tell you roll step, two step, jab step, all that stuff. I, I just heard, looked, I've never I, heard that before. I just looked yeah. to see, does the ball go between the two yellow pipes yeah. and does it look the same most of the time? Right. And, you know, honestly, that's what Jonathan did this year. He, 15 out of 16, he's got a ginormous leg. He hit a 62 or 63-yard winner uh, this year, only missed one kick. And he's come out here, he's done a great job. Uh you know, and obviously we're the most attractive place for a undrafted, you know, rookie free agent kicker to look at. And, uh, you know, I, I hope he continues that track of, of nailing the ball like he has. And if he does, he'll be the Cowboys kicker for a few years for you sure. Know, back in the day, you know, many kickers didn't get injured. And now I guess with the training and, you know, doing more stuff, you got kickers being injured. I mean, you can't, you know, you look out for that. You know, one of the things yeah. that Hoffman ta- taught me about kickers is he said, I want to see the ball go straight. I don't want any of this curved stuff or <laughs> you don't fade draw. stuff. Yeah, you yeah. don't want to draw. This ain't golf, he would <laughs> right. say, right? And he goes in, and, and it was what Chris said. I want the kick to look the same. I, I jokingly say that, but, like, that's the simplest thing. If the, if, if the ball looks the same all the time and it, and it gets up in the air quick, the, whatever he's doing, I mean, oh, we can fix this. His plant foot's a little – the kicker knows what he's doing right. most of the time. And if the ball looks the same, he's probably pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. When I'd see somebody miss or it hit the upright and, and, and Hoffman would go, yeah, but you know what he did? He kicked it straight. It just went straight and, you know, maybe his mm-hmm. aim was off, but the ball didn't move. Like when Zerline had troubles last year, the ball was moving, it seemed like. And he would hook it. And it's like, God forbid, don't. You know, don't put him on the left half. <laughs> so you guys signed uh, Voss. I'm trying to think of the guy. Uh, he was here, and then he just started kicking. His balls just started going everywhere. Oh, Vanderjack. 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 Was Vanderjack? Man, what? I mean, how often does some? Because he was a good kicker. If I'm lost, not. it overnight. I, I, yes, overnight I, it seemed. Or actually, I, yeah, the, the playoff game. Yeah, remember? you know, I just I think so much of that is just your confidence too. And it's, it seems like it's, something it's, went wrong though overnight. I like know. he said, you're it's kicking like, the same way every time, same motion. You know what? Gar- Garibay had a funny quote. They, they asked him about you know kicking and everything, and he goes, "Well, he goes, 99% of it is mental," and he goes, "And you know what?" The other one percent's metal too. <laughs> <laughs> I 
You know, it's, it's the Steve Sachs yips. You can't throw it from second right. base all of a sudden. You've been right. doing it your whole life. Right. And it, why does it knoblock. disappear? Knob block. Knob block, too. Yeah. Same thing. Or you, all of a sudden you can't make a three-foot putt. That's crazy, I mean, It's man. like, you know, Jordan Spieth dealt with that a little bit. All of a sudden he, he's a great putter, and then all of a sudden he can't make a four-footer for some reason. It's 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 in your head, I think. Now they brought in a surprise kicker, too, by the way, okay. a free agent, uh, Simon Matheson. Did you know much about him before he arrived? Honestly, no, not a whole lot. That's a little bit of the John Fossil, Henry Shroka wizardry in the kicking world. That, that <laughs> get get this story, though. That, so. yeah. he, uh, he, he, he kicked at Northwest Missouri State. Yes. And he finished in 2016. And then he, he's, uh, he, uh, he, he was born in New York, but he grew up in Sweden. Okay. And, uh, oh yeah, we talked about this. Remember guy. we talked yes, about yes. him. So he got a chance. He spelled to, his name funny. Yeah, yeah. I E S E. Right, right. right. Uh, he got a chance to kick on uh, on Friday and and Saturday. Uh, it, it was an interesting story. Yeah. Uh, how he uh, he knew the owner of this company called Trackman, mm-hmm. and they were the ones that came up with the technology to track the different. Uh, aspects of kicking and the flight of the ball that they right. used in the Super Bowl. So he would go and set up the system and then kick to make sure it was working right. And and he was kicking and kicking and, you know, yeah. I don't know how they found him, but yeah. he said – Somebody uh, saw something. He said Henry Henry knew about me or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think he was at some of the kicking camps. There's a couple of kicking camps that they do every year and um, – One's in Arizona, one's in California, and everybody, mm-hmm. all the special teams coaches go to it oh, okay. and watch the guys kick. Mm-hmm. And it's guys from everywhere. They'll get soccer players and, you know, guys that have been out for five, six years, and they're still trying to find their way into it. And long snappers are there as well, so mm-hmm. they all get graded on, you know, whatever the scale is. And you can see a whole bunch of guys work. It's a giant tryout, essentially. And there's always a random name or two that pop up out of it that look like they can hit it. And... Again, if if you're consistent and you can do it, you can find a job in the NFL. They asked McCarthy what his philosophy was dealing with young kickers, and I don't know he, I don't know if he tried leading into this, but the bottom line was he said patience. <laughs> <laughs> I recall uh, the free all comers free agent tryouts. Oh. Yeah, it was way before your time. Texas Stadium. Yeah, man, mm-hmm. they would come out there. Over a hundred people coming out there running for the yard dancing. Than, it was more than that. It was more than that. <laughs> you know, th- that was good PR for the Cowboys. Great PR. But that was the the culture that they had created. Free agents come here and they can make it. Right. You know, it's like like an immigrant coming to America. You know what I mean? It's you an can, opportunity. You can, it's an opportunity. Yeah. That's what they used to look $25, at. $25, you got to try out in a T-shirt, right? <laughs> a certificate that and said a, you a tried certificate. out. That's right. Well, you know what? They did it for a couple years maybe yeah. after Jimmy got yeah, here. Yeah, I was going to wonder if they did it after Jimmy A year got or so, two, maybe three at the most. It was in there. And, like, Will's got some great stories from that, too, from when he was the Desperados coach. They kind of – revitalize that a little bit with right. it and the funniest story he tells out of that is you know you run the 40 yard dash and he literally a big old dude runs the 40 and literally hits the brakes <laughs> stops and says what my time coach <laughs> <laughs> it's like no follow through or anything and it's just like you can't make that up oh, um, man, that's good so he didn't make it by the way yeah. <laughs> Jimmy finally decided this is that a big was waste it. of that was a time. moment right there yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and there's one more guy I wanted to talk about uh, 
<laughs> and I know we're getting close to finishing. Uh, the third pick in the fifth round, yeah. uh, another guy – like I told you about Marquise, looks yes. the part. Yes. Damone Clark, the linebacker from LSU. Uh, interesting story because he had surgery that they found out. He had a herniated disc in mm-hmm. his neck at the combine. Uh, and, you know, probably not going to play this year. If he does, maybe the final month. And they mm-hmm. drafted him. And that's got to be a tough call. But... My thought is this is a second or third round guy that right. you got in the fifth. Yeah, and Devon's story is a great one too. And a little bit of it comes from quote unquote inside information, if you will. Um, you know, our doctors were the ones that found his situation. That's what he said. Yeah. And you know, our training staff were the ones that, that told him about it and how he acted and reacted to it was just like I mean he he you know, this this could end your career, end your dreams, yeah, right? Yeah. Potentially. And he said, okay, what do I got to do? Let's do it. And, you know, he was having surgery within a couple of weeks to get it done. And you talk about a guy with the right mentality. Um, we've got a little history with obviously taking injured players or guys that have issues that you know are going to pop up. I mean, uh, you know, we took a guy from Notre Dame a couple of years ago who turned out pretty good for a mm. while for us <laughs> and with Jalen, you know, but but Dr. Cooper did his knee surgery. Right. Yeah. So, again, we had inside information. Uh, you know, we took Sean Lee in the second round, knowing that his ACL was probably going to go at some point in time. It took and a while. It, it did. It did. <laughs> um, but like Damone's situation is really interesting because you talk about a guy that was locked in out here at rookie minicamp. He's got the script in his hand. He's going through the motions. He's doing the footwork. He's using his hand placement. And, you know, here's a guy who's, what, two months off serious neck surgery? But he's ready to go. And if there's a guy I'm going to bet on to, to come back, now the real test will be when you got to put your face on it and yeah. get hit. And as a linebacker, you know, you're putting your you face gotta put in your it. Face you got to do that. And if we see that he does that, you know what? He might be a great steal for us out of this draft. You know, I he wasn't was a heck of a football player. I wasn't sure who he was when they went out there. I didn't look at the number. And I saw this guy, uh, in, in, what did he have, 53, 53 on? Yeah. And I go, Look at that guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's 6'2", 239, and he yep. ran like 4'5", 4'4", 40. Yep. And it's like, holy cow. Wow. And I said, well, that, that uh, that's why that's why they took a chance on him, right? Yeah, and it, again, it goes back to who you are, too. He had the number 18 jersey, which is an honor at, at LSU. LSU. You know, that's the guy that, that has a blue character, as we like to call it. Mm-hmm. It's the right kind of guy that—, that He's a leader of your team. He's going to have that captain's patch on. You know, you put that together with the the grit and the tenacity and, and, and doing all those extra things. And that showed up out there, you know, the other day. And that's who he is. And that's who that's the kind of guy you want to build your football team with. Yeah. Every opportunity you have, you want Uh-oh. guys Sorry. like that. <laughs> and 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 the, the thing that really impressed me, uh, I think, and it was a short interview, uh, you know, and he his answers were all right, right? Like, well, when do you think you can play? I'm worrying about tomorrow, you know, day by day. I'm not going to put any ceiling on myself or right. whatever like that. And then someone asked him, what were your thoughts when you were going into surgery or when you just got out of surgery? And and, and he said, my first thoughts were, I've got to be a healthy man to help raise my daughter. 
It wasn't about wow. football. Right. Wow. Right? It was, it, 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 that's, that's how he answered the question. And I said, okay, I want this guy on my team, right? Exactly. And you're right. If some guy can – and guys have, you know, Daryl Johnson played another year or so after he yep. had similar so – they fused your vertebrae. Yeah, man. Uh, and, Randy, and then, White, Randy White had it. Right? Yep. That was after, after his, his career. career yeah. he, he didn't have it soon enough. No, he did not. Leighton <laughs> uh, Vanderess, right. similar surgery. Mm-hmm. Similar type. And, and they played. But you're right. You know, the surgery is going to work now mentally – can you, yeah. can, are you going to stick your head in there? But the way I looked at it is I was thinking with four fifth-round picks, I could use one or two of those, and I'll trade up. And, you know, and, and that's the advantage that we had of having four right? fifth-round picks. And, you know, during the draft, we had a couple opportunities maybe to package a couple of those up to go get them. But uh, part of our job is understanding the depth of the draft. And, and this year's draft, there was – there wasn't a lot of high, high guys. The, 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 the strength of the draft was in the middle of the yes, draft. Yes, it was. And I think we got some phenomenal players. I mean, we've mentioned a bunch of them already. I think John Ridgway is another guy that's going to, you know, we didn't have to take a, a nose tackle high up in the first or second round, and John's got a chance to come in and do some great things for us. Uh, Everson, his thighs, they look <laughs> like redwood trees. <laughs> And he's he's got that killer mentality in there that he's not afraid to put his face on That's and get good. dirty and play a gap to a gap like a mean dude. Uh, you know the last two guys we took, uh, Devon, Darren Bland, and, and Devon Harper. You know they're they're productive college guys that led their team in tackles or interceptions. They both have a great special teams history, and those are guys that that's how you're going to earn a spot as a backup coming in and moving up. You know as as you learn and find a role on the team. And you know we're just super excited about this draft class, and you know can't wait to to get into training camp and see where guys keep, are in their roles. Keep an eye on Bland. He's a corner. I sure will. And. Uh, he was, and I know they're out there in t-shirt or jerseys and shorts, mm-hmm. and uh, but he was around the ball when he was playing corner, yeah. uh, a lot. And I'm going okay. And then another guy, and that's kind of how I judge him early. Yeah. It's like how do they handle these interviews, right? It was like second nature to him. Uh, so funny story on him when he came in here, the airlines lost his luggage. And like for the visit yeah, or for, for the visit. So, you know, here's a guy I'm going to meet the Cowboys. And let me tell you, our 30 visits way different than any other teams uh-huh. because you get to meet the owner of the football team here. You get to spend. I mean, obviously, we have this wonderful facility that gives us a little bit of oomph, too. But part of our visit is meeting Jerry and Stephen Jones. And you get a chance to talk to the owner as as a. 21, 22-year-old kid, I mean, you don't get that opportunity other places. So this poor guy loses – that airlines loses his luggage. He can't come in. He's got, you know, sweats and a T-shirt on and everything. So, you know, we went and got him some some cowboy stuff yeah, so he could at least have something get different some to wear. Yeah. But, I mean, he handled it like a pro, you know, and that tells you a lot about guys too. You could be angry at the world for losing your luggage, and it happens to all of us yeah. at some point. But the way they handle adversity is always a big thing for us to – to keep in mind when we're thinking about who the who the guy is, not who the player is, you know, and I think that goes a long way for a lot of these guys. The guy from Ole Miss, Sam Williams, the yeah. defensive end, we talked about yes. him last week. Um, he came in for the visit, and they were asking him about how it went and everything. He goes, I wanted to miss my flight. I didn't want to leave. <laughs> and that was his visit, right? He hadn't gotten drafted yet. And he and uh, and Dan Quinn hit it off, I guess, right away. 
Yeah. But when you can see a change in your life coming and then you see this facility, you know, it's kind of hard not to be overwhelmed. You know, as a kid, some of them 20 years old, like you said, 21 years old. I don't know what I would. I mean, just look at what I had to look at when I came to the Cowboys. The facility that we had in night. <laughs> oh, I'm sure your reaction was SMU, the same as mine. SMU was like, oh, what the hell? You know, it was like, they was won Super Bowls <laughs> practicing in this place? <laughs> yeah, it's a difference. So how long did it take you to meet Tom Landry then? Yeah, Thousand Oaks. <laughs> so not, I mean. I never met Tom. I mean, you know, he came and talked to us, but you don't meet Tom. You think, think Tom Landry went around shaking people's hands? Introducing himself? No, he did not. Come on. Oh, you weren't there. That's right. Yeah, you, you weren't there. No, but that didn't happen. We met Tom in the meeting. We, we met him when we met. <laughs> that was it. So had you met a, a coach or was just Gil and whoever? If I recall, Gene you. Stallings, the first person that we met, and he was just a, a bundle of joy. Yeah, I was going to say, that probably scared the <laughs> yeah, Dickens out of you. Exactly. Yeah. Got that uh, Bear Bryant accent. Yeah, I'm from Texas, yeah. man. That stuff is traumatic. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it, it was it was very, you know, uh, just just regular. There wasn't, wasn't much going on there. Unceremonial. So you didn't meet, meet Clint Murkison? No, oh, please. I didn't even know what he looked like. <laughs> I really didn't. I didn't. All right, we went uh, overtime again, but uh, it was well worth it. We might have to get Chris to be the fourth on our crew here. Right. Oh, there you, go. there you go. He'll cut into Bill's shine. Bill right, the more you Bill can do. Bill, right. there you go. The more you well, can we, do. We, uh, we appreciate it. Very, and by the way, I didn't mention this earlier, but when we were playing – D-League adult hockey. This was the star defenseman on the team. You're lying. No. Really? He, we could put anybody and he's else. he's got all his teeth. We get anybody Cage. else back there. Cage. We weren't cages. Anybody else could go back and play defense because Chris took care of everything. That's all right. right. Yeah, That's absolutely. All right. So that thanks a lot. Yeah, you bet. Thanks a lot for doing it. Yes. Everson, we'll see you next week. Yes, sir. Uh, we'll see where Bill is with the NBA playoffs, mm-hmm. uh, if he's back with us or not. And we appreciate you guys joining us here on DallasCowboys.com. And that's it for Mixed Shots. Go Cowboys. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?